gonna steal some pens, yeah? Yeah. This looks good. over this Kate this is one-way communication are you saying they can't I mean I, they can hear me but sometimes yes. I think I can hear them Rob you know there are little voices out there answering back hi Kate yeah there's at least 12 of them yeah I'm doing great today thanks for asking they're probably like Rob never asks how we're doing yeah well you never ask how I'm doing this is always a one-way conversation then we get into this stuff it's all about you this podcast well, it's because you're the one who insists on talking first and doing the intro. That's I bet true. if you let me do the intro, it'd be totally different. Okay, well, maybe we'll do that next time. All right, sweet. Um, what have you been doing then? <laughs> <laughs> That's something to look forward to. Um, yes. What have I been doing? I've been invigilating an exam. That is the most... Do you, do you guys do any cool invigilating games? Invigilating games? Oh, see, you're new to the whole invigilation thing. ha, ha, ha. You know, I don't like, know about this. Well, basically, there's loads of things, like, because it's boring as hell, right? You're just watching the clock tick down. Yeah. So you have to entertain yourself somehow. Now, I don't do this, obviously, but these are things I've heard yep, you've people heard do. Yeah, people do. Um, like, you, you uh, have to discreetly stand beside the student with, like, the shittest trainers, and it's like a competition to see who's got the shittest trainers. That's one. Okay. Or... Uh, you could stand beside the kid who's got who you think had the worst upbringing. That's just me. <laughs> I don't want to the play most, those games. The most abusive childhood. That's awful. <laughs> you know, bad people, bro. I know. That's yeah. Right, yeah. Who had the who had the most? Um, yeah, the shittest trainers one. That's, yeah, that's, that's a safe no, one. No, no. You know, I chose to use that time, a doing my job of alertly looking around. Yeah. That. 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 And, that, that Wears off quickly. And that B, novelty. thinking about writing, thinking about pieces that I'm writing. Well, that's not fun. What are you talking about? Oh, God. Okay, so what are you writing? I'm writing about six different things at once, and I just got asked to do a performance in like two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know which one to finish for it. So. I don't know what yeah. that means. Oh, you're writing six things. I'm writing six different things. I've got six. Like, and all six... of them are applicable to this. Yeah, well, I could do any one of them. So. Okay. I've got too many tabs open, is what I'm saying. Right. Your, your bra- your, the browser of life has too many tabs <laughs> the open. The writing browser has too many tabs open. The browser of life also has too many tabs <laughs> open, though. And this is because I've got an event this week. We're doing yep. a big event. So by the time and that'll be over by the time, be over by the time this, comes this, this comes on. But it's making my life a bit mental this yeah. week. It does look like it's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've sold quite a few, most advanced tickets we've ever sold. Good. Um, I I expect a good audience, and yep. the stuff that the writers have written is just insane. That's good. Like, you know, I had to kind of sit still after reading a couple of them for a while. Oh just wow! Be like, whoa, yeah. I bet I get. I can guess who's. 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play favorites. Uh. And that wouldn't really be fair because they're yeah. all like my children, you know. Mm. But I'm um, sure they'd love to hear them described themselves described. I'm sure they would because they're all, in addition to being shit hot writers, really nice people. Yeah. So they wouldn't mind at all. One of which will be on the next podcast. That's right. Joanna Walsh. We've already talked about her though. Yep. So here we are in this weird ass place. Yep. Do you think we should set the scene a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, okay. This is. The, I should say, this is a. Uh, what do they call it? A co-working space. Uh, yeah. Which is horrible. It's full of like entrepreneurial types. It's full of very young, clean-cut people. Um, like these guys over here in this next cubicle, check those guys out. They're pretty much standard issue, right? Yeah. Wearing like snazzy jackets and t-shirts mm. and oh, one of them has a leather like messenger bag. Yeah. And there's shitloads of product. Yeah. They his, look yeah. like they're in some kind of Apple commercial or something. And yeah. basically the vibe in this whole space, which yeah. is vast mm-hmm. and brand new and smells like a new car mm-hmm. um, and is well stocked with like... They have beer on tap mm-hmm. and all the custard creams you can eat. And I've, yeah. already, I've already had two. Yeah. Um, and I might put some in my bag. When I, I think leave. you should just empty the whole thing. Um, also, it's not soundproof. It's not soundproof. So it's a complete failure. And it's expensive. Is so it expensive? This well, when I, came, when I came in, it was like four knocks getting in here. Yep. The guy at the, you know, I had to be signed in. And then he said, Have you entered the building before? And I was like, whoa, (laughs) have you entered the building before? So he had to explain lifts to me, Mm -hmm. which are buttonless lifts. Like they said, did the same thing to me. And I was like, listen, Junior, I know how to use an elevator. Okay. And then I got there and just went, holy fuck. What, how do I get anywhere? Yeah. So you're Alec, it it like allocates you. It's just, I was just like, why do we need these? Uh, The old elevators work just fine. But you know what's funny? What? People, people who use these spaces i think love that sort of shit well that's what you're paying for by the way yeah so you know i hope you love it too buddy what no i can tell you with utmost certainty that this membership finishes after this month <laughs> did you get a month free membership and uh, i got half price half price which is still really expensive yeah i mean this is of co as far as co-working spaces go and i've been in quite a few of them mm-hmm. this is pretty bougie you mm-hmm. know it's bougie as yeah, so I think you need to like look yeah. for a more humble operation. You need to hook me up with these humble operations. Well, I can hook you up with a few humble operations. Yeah, but um, I don't want it to be all smelly and stuff as well. What? Not and, like, that humble. You know, like fiberglass insulation falling out. No, my head. Jesus Christ, no. But there, there. Are more. I know what types you run around with. Come on, man. What are you saying, Rob? This is <laughs> this is slander, slanderous. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, so. We'll leave and I'll steal a bunch of stationery on the way out and some more custard creams. Yeah. And we can just put this all behind us. We really. could. The yeah. thing is, it's funny because I interviewed Kevin Duffy. That one comes out in July in this space as well. And his reaction was quite similar. Yeah. See, the reason I did it is because I thought, you know, get a nice quiet space. But guess what? Echoey is held in here. I'm sure the That's listener can hear that. And you can just hear, you know, entrepreneurial dickwads. Talking about mergers, I don't know whatever Plus, sort of like, people talk about. The fact is that any writer you get in here is just going to be really uncomfortable because this is not our natural environment. Places like this. Oh, it depends on the writer. I think Will Self would sink right into this. Oh yeah, but 
I mean, any writer that you'd be the ugly to interview of. <laughs> I wonder what John McGregor would have made of it. I think he would have been deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, I think I so too. Yeah. So should we talk about writing stuff? Sure, why not? Okay. Um, I do think it's interesting. Before we do that, I just this second read an interesting because we were talking last week month about how you can describe someone as working class. Oh yeah. And I found this amazing paper on it. And it was just, I haven't prepped you for this. Okay. Uh, because I just read it the other day. Or this morning, or this afternoon. I'm unprepped. Uh-oh. You're unprepped. Yeah, so it's, there's a paper that's come out about um, behaviors, differences in behaviors between working class, so-called working class people and middle, upper class people. Yeah, I see. Kate Fells now sitting up I don't know how you describe this posture you did. I was just I just did a little posture correction. Right, okay. Um, and what they have found is the British Journal of Social Psychology. That's a real thing, right? Yeah. Good. So it's not some dodgy website I found. Um, said that working class people are more likely to employ eye contact, laughter, and head nods when interacting with others compared to more disengaged nonverbal styles of middle and upper classes. Which is a surprise to no one. So basically, working class people are nicer to yeah. be around. But they've actually now got it. There's actual proof that this is true. <laughs> but they also say that they're more likely to consider the world as a mass of forces and risks to contend with and accommodate. Do you know, I tell you one thing that people in this building have really obnoxious fucking shoes. Oh, sorry. I think that was some of your working class rage there. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was me. Um, identifying massive forces and risks to contend with and accommodate, which I'm not so good at, uh, which manifests itself in various ways, including higher levels of vigilance and heightened threat detection system. Oh, yeah. That's about right, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> this makes sense if you lack resources, i.e. rich parents, that can buffer you from catastrophe. Um, more solipsistic, on average, issues that they should shape the world, not how it pushes back on them, this, and blah, 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 blah. Um, a higher degree of fatalism. In working class people. Yep. Well, and why wouldn't they have of course. a higher degree of fatalism? Yeah, I mean, That's what life is talking It is about. one of these things where the study is just proving yeah. exactly what everyone thinks. The cost of the middle and upper class approach seem to be externalized on the society at large. Put bluntly, the research suggests that those with a higher social economic class are less empath- empath- empathetic. This is empathic. I would have said empathetic. No, empathic. Is it empathic? It is empathic. Have more favorable attitudes towards greed and are more likely to lie in negotiations. So there we go. Black and white. Working class people are better in... Sorry, you needed to cite... You needed to have a paper tell you this? Well, yeah, because, you know, why not? Okay. Well, I've got... You know... I felt a bit bad about slating people just by my own kind of prejudices. Now it's in black and white. Okay. And it's done by the British, whatever the thing was. Well, you know, it seems like, it's getting to seem like growing up not working class is a major obstacle for your personal development. Because mm. you, you've got a lot You're of... You're too nice. Um, you gotta like, you gotta like greed more and be more goal oriented. Like these people in this building. Uh, which is why I thought it was interesting to do this in this building. Whatever. So... <laughs> the reason I mentioned that as well, just because that was a discussion we had last time... But also to talk about Nikesh's. Nikesh Shukla. Yeah. His new literary agency that is supposed to empower 
working class writers. So let's talk about Nikesh Shukla, like maybe if someone is listening to this podcast and they don't know who he is. Okay, well he's been on the podcast. Right. So if but you're not listening hey, to that episode, go listen to it. Not everyone listens to every podcast, weirdly. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's tell people who Nikesh Shukla is. Okay, who first. is he? Um, he's an author. Correct. Um, he is someone who is, he's probably the, the sort of leader of a drive, a campaign, a kind of movement to diversify British publishing. Um, and is behind the Jalak Prize for Literature, which I guess uh, was introduced a couple years ago for BAME writers. Mm-hmm. Um, he edited The Good Immigrant, he edited which, good is immigrant which is a collection of essays by BAME writers. Um, and yeah, essentially, he's launched a new literary agency, sort of off the back of the success of The Good Immigrant and good, The Good Journal, which he launched off of that as well, which was sort of a Kickstarter product, a literary journal mm-hmm. to showcase more, more, more diverse talent. Um, so now he and another woman whose name I cannot remember. Julia Kingsford. Thank you. Um, have She's launched, a high-powered agent. Right. They've launched a new literary agency specifically for, um, to try and get more underrepresented voices in mainstream publishing. mainstream publishing and that it doesn't just mean BAME writers it means LGBTQ writers it means writers from working class or marginalized backgrounds and they kind of also say and anyone who feels that their um, story story isn't being sort of reflected by publishing and I thought the really interesting thing about this was you know Nikesh well they've said basically you know we don't see a lot of books by these people being published, not enough. You know, agents tell us, and public, publishers tell us, well, you know, we just don't see enough good work. We don't see enough work, period, from writers like these. Um, but agents say, well, no, we send you loads of great, great projects from these kinds of writers. So they put it, they've described it as, there's clearly a pipeline problem, <laughs> which I think is a wonderful euphemism. Um, there's definitely some shit in the pipeline, you know? And there's a blockage. Yeah, there's a fatberg in there, I think. <laughs> and uh, we, we all got to deal with that. So yeah. hopefully this is going to make a difference. And I think, you know, it has the potential to, it's another, it's another piece, you know, and it's, it's only going to do good things. So yeah. more, more power to them. Yeah. And the, 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 I'm always confused and interested in the discussion around the working class bit of that. Um, cause I, I don't know, I still, I'm not entirely convinced how it's mm-hmm. defined. Like we've, I'm not going to talk about that anymore. Cause we yeah, no, did that to yeah, death in yeah. the last one, but it's, um, I wonder if it's also stories about, um, that, that feature. I don't know. I don't think so. I think those, it's, it's, it's literally the, the writers, the writers. Are it's more, in those, that's my understanding boxes, is it's more focused on the writers. Now I think that the two things do go together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more likely that writers who come from these backgrounds and who have had these experiences will be wanting to offer stories that reflect that. Look at kids of all, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yep. That's, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about is that, um, you know, people from diverse backgrounds and gay people um, and disabled people as well yeah disabled yeah. people you know they're not seeing we are not seeing our stories in publishing 
Yeah. Um, and the stories that we want to tell, want to read, want to share, want other people to read are not are not getting out there. So yeah, let's do something about it. Mm-hmm. You know? Do you think it'll work? I don't think it's gonna hurt. Yeah, there's no um, there's no harm in it, is there? Absolutely not. No, I fully support it and mm-hmm. wish them wish them well with it. They've got know? arts council funding as well, which is nice. And, I, and the thing is, right, these guys don't really need to do it because Nikesh is quite a famous writer in his own right. And Julia, she's like a, a name agent. She has a huge client list. She's just one of those agents, I think, that if you're on Twitter and you're a writer, you know of. I don't really know. Do you I not? don't really okay. follow agents, so. Right. But I, th- I put her kind of in the same category as like Lucy Luck and Julia. Is it Julia Mushins or Julia Mushins? No idea. Not? Okay. I'm not the wrong person to ask. Okay. I'm not much of an agent spotter. Sorry. That's because you don't submit any fiction <laughs> to anything. Not long form. No. Nope. Do you want to... The other thing we wanted to talk about... Well, the other thing. There's a few things. One of the other things, you went to some... What's this Altrincham thing you're talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. Well, no. I mean, I was talking... So I was just teaching a workshop. I just had like a passing thing I wanted to mention. Okay. And I feel like, yes, we've talked about this before, but someone might not have heard this before. And I, I feel like I just have to keep repeating this again and again because it strikes me so strongly every time I teach a writing workshop um, it kind of starts off as this one did at Altrincham Word Festival um, I'll do Word Fest start off with like 18 people mainly women in a room um, most of whom had never done creative writing before really Okay. Um, and they were so nervous and so kind of uncomfortable and they left so inspired and you know so jazzed up about doing writing and this was after we did like two simple writing exercises and some close reading but really those workshops are always about just saying to people over and over again like you have the power to be a writer like you can do it Mm -hmm. you can write you can write whatever you want and like they they actually get that in the session somehow like it clicks for them that they can do it and they may not be able to hold on to it all of them but it's just it's just so weird. It's like having a magic wand and just going on and be like, you can be a writer. Mm-hmm. You can be a writer. And you know, like some of them, and what being a writer means doesn't mean selling a successful, it just literally means writing something, you know? Mm-hmm. It might not be any good, but whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But like, they weren't, some of them weren't even sure they were going to be able to do that. Like, it yeah. freaked me out a little bit. Mm. So anyway. I, I always think, because I'm a cynic, why would why would people want to be like well, I don't understand why writing attracts so many people because it, there's I mean at the end of the day it's there's no there's nothing that you get out of it other than you know putting your own words on paper but like so many people fail like there's way hundred times more failures than there are any kind of successes and if you're talking about if it's about you know writing a diary or a journal or something yeah. then fine but if you're actually trying to write something that's going to be read by other people. It's very difficult. It is, it is very difficult, but I think it's, there's something about the primacy of the experience of writing, of telling a story, of communicating something that's utterly of ourselves. That's really pretty basic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it's about commercial, you know, oh, I'd like to be the next J.K. Rowling. I think I've got a novel in me kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I actually just think 
people are attracted, like children are attracted to, you know, like playing with fire or, you know, coloring <laughs> with crayons. Like there's something about writing. People want to have a go. They want to try, try and do it because, you know, like it's, there's something about it that's that process that's so, that really pulls them, you know? Mm. And a cynic like you might say, well, that's a bad thing. We don't want a bunch of shit writing out there in the world, you mm. know? Yeah. That's a fair yeah. comment, actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't care what people write. If their writing is bad or good or whatever, all I care about is that they are happy doing what they want to do, mm-hmm. you know? Um, chances are, maybe one or two people in that workshop will go on to write some great stuff. Yep. And, you know, but as long as they're happy and feel that they can express themselves and feel empowered to write, then that's all I care about, yeah. you know? I guess the question is, when there's so many people who either think they can write or are putting stuff into to the um, who are willing to do it for nothing, or you know, doesn't that hurt all writers? No, it's not. Nothing hurts. I'm writing. only saying this to be devil's advocate, by the okay. way. I, I already know the answer. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> well, don't let's not have an argument. It's devil's advocate. Why? It's fun. No, because we have more important things to talk about. And anyway. Like I got nothing, man. I've got tons to talk about. Okay. Um. So okay, it's mental health. It, okay, so yeah. we are. This is we're finishing it on. We're that, finishing then. on that because yeah, I'm. We're, I'm not even gonna have that conversation. Are we not? No, because <laughs> come on, you know the answer. Come on, t- tell me the conclusion. Okay, you the, can. You the can conclusion is. Now. Yeah, writing is is great, but if you do, I, I think if you're doing it as catharsis, it's always awful. So how do you... It's not always awful. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Writing can be cathartic for the writer and also fucking amazing for the reader. But it's hard for those two things to happen at the same time. Mm. I think you're... It's... it's, I think it's rare. I think largely... Like if it's it's cathartic, I think the reader can spot that and go, oh, this is just somebody whinging. If it's just catharsis... Mm. Of course, yeah. no one else is going to get anything. But, but if there's no have... kind of analysis of you know the world at large, no, of as course. Well. My yeah. what I'm what I'm saying is, if it's going to be good and have meaning and value for any other reader, outside of you and your immediate circle of friends, it has to have more than catharsis, right? It has to have something that we can all relate to. It has to have some kind of rigor to it. Mm-hmm. It has to be good writing, you know. Well, see, you've just. Undermined your own argument. What? You said it has to be good writing. Well, it doesn't... What I'm saying is... No, these are two different arguments. Okay. Um, Sorry. That was an argument about whether writing that's cathartic can actually be good writing okay. and enjoyed by other people, which is a totally different argument than, you know, should people who... Should we even encourage just regular people to start writing? Yeah. Which is a, it's snobbery and bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, regular people. I, I wouldn't say regular people. Well, I, that's how some writers talk about people who aren't, you know, publishing in literary journals. Yes. You know, and I don't have any truck with it. Yeah, that's certainly not what I'm saying. Okay. But anyway. Good. Yeah, right. of course not. Why, why, why the fuck would I say that? Right. I'm just... just. I'd be saying yeah. I shouldn't be writing then in that case. <laughs> that's right. And imagine that. Imagine... Yeah. Oh, could you imagine a crisis. world without my writing in it? <laughs> oh, gosh. It would be yeah. such a dull and boring place. God, it'd be brilliant. Anyway. <laughs> so, we were going to talk about mental health. Yep. It is mental health. This is me switching my 
tapered to page two because we've got so much stuff I've got to notes. Have you? Yeah. It's funny because I gave you a number of things to talk about, and this is the one thing I thought you'd go, oh, it's Mental Health Week. You know, that's it's just a thing that's happening now because I just threw that out there, but this is the thing you were most interested in talking about. Yeah. Why? Um, because writing and mental health is something I haven't really heard so many people talk about before. Okay. But as a writer and a person with uh, a mental health, <laughs> um, <laughs> I am totally aware that these two things, there's something big going on there that, that no one's really talking about too much. Yeah. Um, and I think we should talk about it. Sure. Did I, did I actually say it's Mental Health Awareness Week? That's why we're talking yeah, about it. Yeah, you did. Okay, I did. Good. Yeah. Um, so... One of the things you were, you were interested in talking about is why so many writer, poets specifically are depressed and why they go... Uh, do we want to start with that? That's no, quite, no, no, no. That's quite okay, bleak, let's, isn't let's it? Let's build up to that by okay. saying um, the job of writer is often to dig deep into their own experience, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes... If it's good, yeah. Well, you know, if it's good or bad, really. Um, think about the, what a writer does. A writer basically sits in a room by themselves. They don't talk to a lot of other people. It's very antisocial. Outside of November, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's That horrible month. So it's a quite isolating, lonely gig, writing. Um, that's if you're writing full-time. If you're mm -hmm. writing as a side hustle, which virtually everyone I know me. is doing, um, and me as well, um, you, it exposes you to tons of stress um, because you're trying to do your writing all the time on top of your work and everything else we have to deal with in this crazy life. Um, and you know, you're always stealing bits of time from sleep, from your family, whatever. Um, which makes you feel guilty and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, so, so yeah, um, I think also writing is a very tough gig for your self-esteem. Tons of exposure to rejection, evaluation. Social media is basically just an other people's success kind of, you know, constant party that's happening. Um, and yeah. Do you love those tweets where, happy publication day? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck, my whole stream <laughs> is full of those. Oh, Ben Myers published something again. Thanks a lot, Ben. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, they don't bother me, but I totally <laughs> get what you're saying. Yeah. Though, um, it, it's funny you mention that, because that's probably the thing that gets me the most. Oh, really? Like, competitive stuff? Not competitive, but it's just, you just think, loads of people are getting published. How come... You know, and you just think, you think, you don't say, how come I'm not? You're saying, my stuff must not be good enough because, mm. and I'm not saying that, you know, my stuff would be as good as, you know, the people that are on my Twitter feed, but it's, especially when you get, see something like, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, mm. where you read that, that and it, it's clearly shit and that makes millions. So I can, I totally get that bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so, okay. These are all the things about writing that can make it quite, but I think there's another piece of the puzzle, which is, and we can't really answer this, but um, there's certainly been a lot of speculation over the years, since the time of Aristotle, actually. Oh, hello. Yep. Uh, who, who's had this line, like, why are all the men who are outstanding at poetry and arts melancholic? 
right? Well, because it's, it's, a, it's that's such an easy question to answer. Because when you're analyzing, when you're actually analyzing the world around you, it's virtually impossible not to realize that it's horrible. If yeah. you're happy to just, you know, these people that... Yeah, I, I actually agree with you that there's something about the temperament of people who um, are drawn to the creative arts, but writing in particular, um, that, like, there are people who are just happy to live, you know, and who are just, whatever, go on, do your job, you know, and they're fine. Um, but then there's writers who, like, that's not enough for them. Yeah. You know, they have to ruminate about shit, yeah. right? And finding truth, I think, is the most important bit. Really, you're seeking truth. I think is something that is uh, is inherent in all writers. Really, if there's one thing that ties all writers together, it's that. It's the for me, anyways. If especially if it's any good, it's you're trying to find uh, the truth in life, and not, I wouldn't say the the meaning of life because there is no such thing. You find that out very quickly, but <laughs> your own truths, I think. So. The crazy, so yes, and there does seem to be, from according to the research I just did very briefly, um, some evidence to suggest that um, writers as a cohort are more likely to have some kind of mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, also because they're broke. Well, that's the other thing, and Yes, their lives are harder. Um, I mean, you know, there's a great quote I found from Franz Wright, who won the Pulitzer Prize for Poetry. He said, Our culture does not value poetry, and it drives you crazy, but you take your chances, you know? And it drives you crazy, because there is, if there's something harder in the world than writing a good poem, I don't want to know about it. Like, I'm not kidding you. It is the hardest kind Mm -hmm. of writing to do. Yeah. Like the hardest. I agree with that. And that's why I don't write them. But it's the least valued. Mm-hmm. It's the least valuable. It's the least, you know, no one wants to know. Because, <laughs> well, that's because it's the most difficult thing to write. It's also the least accessible. That's why. I mean, maybe. But so, no surprise then, I suppose, you know, that authors are twice as likely to commit suicide um, as the general population. Mm hmm. And, you know, that's just authors, but for poets, 20% of eminent poets um, in this study I saw uh, committed suicide versus 1% for the general population. So, okay, do you have a reference for that? Yes. What is Uh, it? I believe it was in Death Studies Journal in 2003. Wow. Death Studies Journal. Okay. Um, Good. We will fun, we'll link to these, by the way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's fascinating stuff, actually. Um, but I think that yeah, writers. So you've got the kind of inbuilt temperament stuff, but you also have the fact that people are living in poverty. Yep. If they have mental health problems, they so can't get treated. So how come so many dentists are killing themselves? Because they're like, if you were, if you said to somebody, what's the absolute yeah. opposite of a writer? It'd be a dentist. I don't know. Because they're higher on the list, and pharmacists as well. They're really high too. Yeah, I don't have opinions about that. Sorry. <laughs> you selfish. You only caring about yourself. Yeah. Dentists, I mean, you know, I don't have any problem with them, but <laughs> I have nothing to say. That's all right. Fine. Good. Um, how do we... F- oh, God. How do you even fix that? We can't even go into that, can we? What? How do you not want to... Do you, How can you be a writer and have good mental And not be crazy? Yeah. You're not going mental. 
That's not the You don't have to be say. crazy to be a writer, but mm-hmm. it helps. Yeah, um, I mean, to be honest with you... That like, statement makes me want to kill myself. But you know what? Actually, Rob, there's something to that. Like, it does help you to be crazy to be mm-hmm. a writer. Because, you know, well, crazy, whatever the fuck that means. Like, our yeah. society defines crazy, but having a kind of unconscious that's closer to the surface, having a mood landscape that's more kind of extreme, these, these kinds of temperaments, I think it does help the writing, mm. you know? I also think that uh, being a bit... We should, I, uh, by the way... Neither of us are mental health practitioners, so we're no. we're Massive guessing there. Yeah. We don't actually Obviously. know what we're talking about. No, yeah. zero. Absolutely none. However, I would say that um, you have to be cra- a li- little bit crazy, whether that's the right word or not, to be able to take so much rejection and keep going. Yeah, well, you have to be a narcissist on some level. You do. And maybe like a sadomasochist as well. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. What's, God, we're horrible people. Sadomasochistic, yeah. narcissistic. Yeah, crazy. Not God, lost. we need we need something that's good. <laughs> Empathetic. Empathetic. Yeah, we make really good eye contact here. Yeah, I'm making good eye. contact. Yeah, we're doing serious eye contact. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone outside is like, "What is going on?" Here? <laughs> See, if we were posh, we wouldn't do any of that. We just yeah. be really greedy and buy stuff, I guess. What do we got up next? Um, I just wanted to m- mention two people. Uh, former podcasts that are up for prizes, won a big prize, and uh, one's a medium prize, I suppose. Um, ben Myers, I, I know I've mentioned this before, but it's worth saying again that he's shortlisted for the Walter Scott Prize. Have you? Do you read historical fiction? Did we talk about this already? I can't remember. Um, we, I think we talked about it a while back. Yeah. Um, I don't read much historical. Fiction. Yeah. So we can We've got. We've got nothing to talk about yeah. there. So. Anyway, his book's good. Uh, Nick Royal, who was I think one of the first. People on the podcast. What's the HL Short Story Award? Oh, it's one of the most prestigious short story awards. Okay, well he's in, up for that. He's been demand. yeah, he's been longlisted. Okay, for that. well loads of people have also been longlisted. Yeah, but I don't for care that. about them. They've not been on the podcast. Oh my god. Okay, so, you tell me who else has been on it. Oh, that's worth talking about. Oh, never mind. Who there's else loads. is on it? There's thousands. David Hayden. I just saw today. Adam O'Rourden. Yeah. Is that how you say his surname? I know O'Re- him. O'Rourden. O'Rourden. I mean, lots of people, but... We'll wait till the shortlist comes out. And then okay, if, yeah. If Nick get... is still on it, we'll bring it up again. You're okay. like such a booster of previous podcast guests. Yeah, man. Why not? Why? Because that will, that encourages more people to come back on. But do you want them to come no, back on? No, not come back on, but new, right? I don't know. I just feel like it's good. I feel like I'm taking some you're time. Such a, you're such a softie, dude. Is that a softie or is that a... I, I think softie is a nice way to put it rather than... You know, just finding an excuse to mention famous writers' names on the podcast again. Like they're your friends. <laughs> yeah, my pals. Nick is my friend. I know Nick is your yeah, friend. Yeah, Nick is, is, is a pro- All I right. think he is. Are you my friend, Nick? I think you are. We haven't yeah. seen... It's having said that. We haven't hung out for months. You and Nick? Yeah. Well, you got to sort that out, man. Well, he's a bit... You know, he's got other shit. He's got a... All right, let's, let's move on before we... we right, how much time have we got? Oh, we're actually pushing it. Yeah. Right, today on the podcast, uh, this is the second part of my unintentional Irish writer's extravaganza, my hour. You didn't even know this was happening until I think just the second, and I didn't know about it until I just You did. Realized. No, you told me. Did I? Yeah, we've talked about it on the podcast. Before. Okay. So today we're ta- I'm talking to Queen McDonald, who is easily the most successful self-published novelist 
I've ever met. Wow. He's written, his, he sold 70,000 copies of his book. And I know that sort of thing you have just no interest in. But I, I find that quite amazing. I don't have no interest in it. I mean, I don't care how many copies it sold. That's true. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So it get it, loads of um, sales, and he's very, very, very good at, well, writing, first of all. The books are really good. Um, I don't know how many there are now. I think three or four. We, he t- told me in the interview. But he's, it's a comic crime fiction, which is, I guess, he's probably the only one that does it. Yeah, he's not the only one. Okay, there's loads then. Yeah. But he talks about, there's really, he, he talks about great things in this about um, what makes it, what helped him uh, create a book in self-publishing. Because I've had a massive failure in my self-publishing. So bad, I think, that I can still call myself a debut author. There yeah. must be something when you try to sell something self-published and it sells like six copies that it doesn't, you're still a debut author, aren't you? I don't know. Okay. We'll, we'll find out, I guess. Yeah. Well, I say debut author. I still have to get published, don't I? My book. Fuck. Um, we also, uh, Queeve and I were on the, the MA together. Also, Queeve is a bit famous. I don't know if I mentioned that. As a stand-up. He hates it when I say that about him. And if he's listening now, he'll be mortified that I'm saying this. But he is. He writes, I think he's written jokes for like Mock the Week and all kinds of TV shows oh, and stuff. Cool. It's very, quite, quite a prolific stand. Prolific? Famous. bit famous stand-up. You're famous, Queeve. I don't care what he says. Right, so this is Queeve McDonald. Listen. I'll be honest, I've never been this sober doing an interview, but let's keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Let's talk about the books. Okay. Uh, I was going to say that it's a trilogy... But it's not, because there's four. Yeah, no, there's a... This, oh, never write a prequel. People don't know what it is. Amazon, get angry. Amazon okay. don't know what to do. But basically, I wrote a prequel. Yeah. And I had this idea quite early doors. I did one that's set 18, 19 years ahead of the other three. Um, the other three sort of happened year after year, effectively. And uh, this one happened 18 years beforehand. So there's a guy, Bunny McGarry, who basically is in the first book, was supposed to be a secondary character. The detective. Yeah. And he basically came in and frankly took over. So I did his pre- the prequel, and I kind of did a much darker goes into his history kind of gives a much more depth to the character um, and that really sort of set up the bunny thing where he is now the main guy and then the, so there's the three books with the prequels four mm-hmm. and then I'm actually starting a new thing now um, with bunny um, yeah which is a bit of a spoiler seeing as the uh, yeah the cover kind of gives it away yeah the cover of the last one has his, has his, has his gravestone on it yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah let's, let's just say I haven't killed a fucking golden goose yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I think there's there's three main reasons I wanted you on the podcast. One, Availability. No. Are you kidding me? Mate, this, this is a podcast big time. This is yeah, John Gregor on it, mate. You, <laughs> Fair enough. Um, one, you have a healthy contempt for the publishing industry. That was very true. And writing courses. I, I think you could possibly... I can see some positives in them. Yes. But, um, we'll get to that. Yes. Two, I think you're a rule breaker of the highest order when it comes to writing, when it I, comes to not uh, writing to, set to to books that will be uh, attractive to publishers. I fundamentally disagreed with what they believed was attractive. Right. I think that was something that happens. We'll yes. get to that as well. Good. And three, you're easily the most successful self-published novelist I know of. 
Okay, there's loads more successful than me, but uh, I mean, I'm only I'm only small fry in the. I mean, I'm. Well, you say that you say small fry, but I've heard the num. You've you've kind of touched on numbers, and I know people who've published with independent publishers. Oh, okay. And I don't think it's a million miles away. No, I mean, I'm. I don't. I'd have to genuinely check, but I think we're around seventy thousand sales now. That's way more than most. Yeah, I mean, that's. Don't get me wrong. I'm. I'm doing. You know, I'm happy with it. I'm doing. Doing well, and I think we've, yeah. we. Yeah. We. We feel like we haven't. You know, we think there's, there's room to go. We think it's going to go. You know, we want it. We want to keep going. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, seventy thousand books. I think that's a lot. I think that's a lot. Even no, for no, no, a that, that is, but major. I mean, even if you're, you've got a major publisher. Oh yeah, no, and and if the only difference between if I sell seventy thousand books and a major publisher as opposed to now, is I would be out working tonight because I'd have to be doing stand up because I wouldn't make a living, whereas I'm making a good living now, thankfully. Brilliant. Um. So I mean, so I, I go back to my that point. You are by far the most successful self publisher, published author that I know of. That you know, okay. Yeah. But there are there are people who've done multi millionaires. Well, yeah. There's like Hugh Howie. And, Hugh Howie and all that. Yeah, sort but there's of thing. there's, yeah, there's I mean, only a handful of those. But I know quite a few of them because we sort of hang out in the same things like online and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm going to a convention in um, Austin, Texas next year and stuff. And I'm mm. in a credit group with a couple of people and stuff. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm doing well. Um, I'm very happy with where I am. Yeah. Bear in mind I've been doing it now for September 2016 was when the first book came out. Yeah. So that's what 20 months maybe? Right. So that's another thing that I'm going to talk about. Okay. You are obscenely prolific. Again you'd be, there are people who crank out books to be honest I don't think it's a good thing but there are people who crank out books way quicker than I do. Um, Four books in yeah, well, four books in really... Two years. Over, yeah, over two years, because the first one came out in September 2016. When the first one came out, I was virtually finished the first draft of the second one. Right. So when people say, oh, you did it amazingly fast, you go, well, actually, not really. Mm. Um, and most even most traditional authors who do a book a year, they write the book in six months, and yeah. then they... Now, I'm trying to get a bit... Fa- I'm trying to improve my process all the time, because yeah. I, think, I think you can do... Uh, just be as efficient as possible while still writing the best book you can. Yeah, because there are people who sort of do all this stuff about just crank out a book and throw it out. And go, no, don't ever do that. You have to have. I think you've got to have huge respect for the audience. Um, the re- yeah, the readers. Oh, the audience. Sorry, that's me stand up coming out. Um, <laughs> but you've got to have huge respect for the readers. Like I have a firm belief thing is I will not ever waste your time. I promise you, you're going to get the very best I can do. Yeah, um, and it is good. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it annoys I, me. Yeah. Well, thank you. It annoys um, me that's very that it's good for. and it's quick. Uh, yeah, well, it's well, it's it really it winds me up. I have to say. Well, people sort of say about quick that it's good that it you know and it's it's a fast read, which people sort of say, which yeah. people kind of get. I first saw someone get sniffy about it. You go, that means people don't put it down. That's a good thing. See, this is the thing. I had this conversation with Kit Duvall about the whole page turner thing yeah. and how you know sniffy publishers looked at like the literati look yeah. down on that term. It's like people that say, oh, he's a, like they call Stephen King, he's a great storyteller. And yeah, that's like a all these backhanded little, little slap yeah, saying, oh, little, the guy's a shit writer. But it's the same thing. Like, if writing a page turner, it seems to be, you know, some kind of backhanded yeah, slap, yeah. which is nonsense because that's kind of what people want to read, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's, to be honest, I don't sort of go, you go, no, that's, I, there's nothing wrong with writing what people want to read. The books I write are the books I want to read. I, like, literally, if you said tomorrow, like, if I won the lottery tomorrow, uh, I would still write the books I am currently writing because they are yeah. the things I most enjoy doing. I genuinely like it. I like sitting in my office. I like sitting down there and go, right, I've got to write 3,000 words today on this story. I've got to move it along. You know, I've got these scenes planned out. I'm looking forward to doing it. Yeah. You know, I'm always happy to, you know, I've got good days and bad days. It's a job, so I can do every other one. But I'm very happy to be doing it, the, what, I'm, what I'm doing. And I, you know, and I don't think, um, I'm not a poet. I'm not sitting there 
looking at three words over and over again, trying to figure out how to make them into it, you know. Yep. And if you're art, that's fine. And poetry, but poetry is a very separate thing. Yeah. I don't even like the word art um, because I think the word art implies you are not in control. And I don't agree with that. I think it just because it's all this stuff about the muse. I would have thought, I would have thought it was the, the absolute opposite of that. No, I think the word craft implies you're in control. Because the word okay. craft implies you sit there, you get out your tools, and you work. Sure. Um, and you can get better at it. Whereas art, I think, gives people the idea that there's something flighty and other out of the ether going along. And I'm sure you've read on writing Stephen King's mm-hmm. thing and all. He's great about the muse. Yep. His muse is a big angry black woman who turns yeah. up at nine <laughs> o'clock in the morning and yeah. hits him over the back of the head, basically. Yeah. Um, and I feel very similar with those things. Way, Did you go to school with nuns? <laughs> yeah, actually, my auntie genuinely was a nun. <laughs> um, you know, that good question popped in my head and I thought, do I ask him that? Yeah, no, I have Christian brothers. Um, yeah. uh, no, my sisters went to school with nuns. That was the local girls' school. Um, yeah. But nuns are properly terrifying. And, and That's what I mean. It, it seems to me that you've got that person in your head saying, you know, get your ass into gear. Oh yeah, they quit yeah, fucking around and you yeah. know. Don't, oh, that's my mother. Don't worry about this flighty, yeah, yeah. you know, hoity-toity art bullshit. No, well, I, I think to be honest, a lot of it is because I came up. Um, I started doing stand-up, which is good, but also I worked in kids' TV. Um, that was my basically full-time break and to go in full-time. Yeah, I worked in kids' TV. You can't ring somebody up in kids' TV and go, "Oh, the muse is not with me today. I've I've no idea what the little blue blair is going to do for 22 minutes." Uh, yeah, you think you turn up and do the script. Um, and I got good at that and being disciplined and they, I worked with a brilliant company that taught me so much um, wonderful company called Darren McQueen um, and they were amazing and, sorry just, there's, a, there's a noise in the background it's I'm just fine. checking that okay. don't worry that's, that's it'll so come good. through that's part of the charm of this okay, podcast cool. Well, speaking of someone who lives in the city center of Manchester you, you do get dickheads with ridiculous engines driving around it, it's tip of the iceberg mate oh yeah, yeah <laughs> on this podcast do you find that I think most writers that I talk to, most novelists, uh, have a harder time. Motivation is a problem, and like writer's block and that sort of thing. With you, do you find that you have to kind of turn your brain off for a while? Do you force yourself to put the book on the shelf for a while and then come back to it? I am. Or is that a completely foreign concept to you? I am. I have a hard time taking time off which is something I'm trying to work on. I'm trying to get better at, uh, you know, finishing at a certain time of day, getting mm-hmm. out of the office and having a day off, uh, those kind of things. Um, but I mean, as far as the work is concerned, do you, ever, do you feel like you need to put it away for a while to, to come back to it? Or, like, I, 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 uh, I, have a, I do weird things. Like, I don't write in the way a lot of people do. They always tell you to write and then not read over it again and stuff like that. To like, not read over it again? Well, I've heard that advice. If you want to keep going forward, don't read back and yeah. all that, which is not what I... What I do is I basically write a chunk. I do, like, X amount of words a day. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to do... And this week I've been on Good Word, but on the same thing. First thing I do is I come in and read the last day's words, and I go through them. And the thing is, I do believe that you just keep writing. Um, like, I don't stop and sit there and go... Because I think you write it, and then you fix it. Mm-hmm. And even if it's wrong, you throw it out. It doesn't matter. You still have worked through it. You've got okay. a better idea by doing it. I think if you stand there staring at it, that's when you get writer's block. How you can keep writing is you just keep writing. Um, <laughs> you just literally do. Yeah. So, I, so I go through yesterday's, and then I go, then I start writing today's, um, and I go through that, and then tomorrow I go through today's, and so on. And, and the thing that ends by the end of the draft, kind of in a pretty good place. And then normally about halfway through, I stop and read the whole first half again. Yeah. 
um, because I've just made some decisions later on that I need to. I also block it out beforehand. I have an enormous pin board in my office. Like literally, I got my own office space in my own. Mm-hmm. I got the biggest pin board you can find on Amazon to the point where there are two novels currently on it. There's right. the one I was going to write that's actually a separate thing to, to these books entirely. And then there's the next one of these books. Um, um, because I like having them physically. I've yeah. I found again not staring at a screen, physically putting on cards and putting pins in, in boards is great because it gets your mind working on it. Yeah, and not only that, but then it probably warns you of things to come. You and, can you can see gaps. Yeah, and not only that, but also if you have this you know this great idea two thirds into the book, that you means you have to rewrite the whole thing. That's yeah. what I find when I'm writing something. I'll have something if cause that, that's the way I write as well. I write. Yeah chapter after chapter and then when I get to a certain place I think ooh what a good idea this would be oh wait that fucks up absolutely everything I've written so I've got yeah. to rewrite everything again whereas with a pin board I, I suspect it, you get those ideas quicker yeah you could certainly it gives, just gives you another way of your, your mind physically working it has something physical to touch and stuff yeah. and then, so I think you do and then I like the pin board because literally I pin up all the things because you're a Luddite yeah and then um, I get like post-it notes and stick them on top of the things going, that needs to happen there. There's a, like literally a line, an idea, something, something, something. Uh, and they all add up. And the yeah. thing is, once you have something written, it's a lot easier to fix. And you can yeah. have a lot of fun going back and going, oh, I can think of a funny, better line for that now. Yeah. Um, and it just, I always find, I'm surprised even when I thought, if I like writing today, if I was writing yesterday's work, if I thought, for example, which happened last week, I went, went home with the missus and went, oh, today's work was dog shit. It was just, oh, I mean, I got through it because I, I, I try and hit the goal because it's important to. And then I came in the next day and read through it and changed a few things. We still go, this is 95% grand mm-hmm. for where we are. It's a first draft. It's, like, you can, it's never as bad as you think it is. But the other side of it is, you go, I've written genius. I'm, I'm yeah. literally, I'm incredible. <laughs> then you write the next day and go, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. Do you think, okay, because you've written, uh, you've done quite well on your own. Say HarperCollins came to you tomorrow and said, Right, we want your next one. Would um, you go for that, or are you like, fuck it? Oh no, I'm not. I'm not against the idea of traditional publishing. Uh, my problem with traditional publishing was I went looking for an agent around the time we were all started doing it. Probably when I was doing the Masters with you. Yeah. Um, and I got one person that seemed interested, but never really went anywhere. That was actually the first person that got back to me, and the rest of them never really got back to me. Um, and then I actually this is how low it got. I paid an agent that was recommended to me to. Um, read it and the guy came back and said it was too funny and too Irish <laughs> and then it was the weirdest conversation I've ever had where he said it's too funny and too Irish and I sort of went quiet he went you have to be able to take criticism I went oh okay I think the problem we're having here is I don't realise you've made any Yeah. Um, because I don't know I'm literally sitting in an apartment that those two things paid for Yeah. Um, like I don't know if you've seen the parades we're pretty popular Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean it's it was the most idiotic dumb thing I've ever heard Yeah. and I literally was so angry at the time I remember the, the missus and we kind of talked about self-publishing then we went away from it we talked about self-publishing because um, I should point out I'm very lucky my wife is a former editor in educational publishing she ah. now works in marketing and stuff like that so she's very yeah. much the secret weapon for the whole Brilliant. operation um, and then we literally got annoyed and she went we'll just, we'll just do it ourselves because this is getting ridiculous now yeah um, but I since have now got an agent because um, mm-hmm. it's handy for stuff I need to have to done. And I actually have an idea for an entirely kind of different genre book that I was going to write that I am still going to write once I finish this one now. I, yeah. just moved, I was going to do it before. I just moved them around. Yeah. But now I'm, and we're going to go to traditional publishers with that. Yeah. But to be honest, we go to them and go, he's, also, he's already sold this amount of books. The reason the Dublin Trilogy um, 
I've been told this by I, I met with three agents when I sent it out got a very different response the second time by the way uh, <laughs> <I bet. laughs> once you sold a bunch they're like oh wait they were this... like really I mean, the amount yeah. of questions <laughs> I got asked was very mm-hmm. interesting people going how did you how, how does this work and I was yeah. like um because you point out, by the way, my books are professionally edited. Scott Pack, who's, who's a great editor, is my developmental editor. I've got an extremely good uh, line editor now. Yeah. Waterstone's big boss at some Yeah, point, he was Waterstone's he? buyer at some point. He's run, he's run a few indies and stuff. He's been, you know, he's, he's, you know he, knows, he, he knows his onions. Yeah. And um, worked with a lot of great people. And then um, my line editor is very good as well, Judy. And I've got proofers and stuff like that. And I I'm, I'm do everything I can to make sure. Like, the next book is set in New York. I'm mm-hmm. hiring, as well as all of them. I am hiring an American editor as well because I want to make sure that I haven't done the classic screwing up the words things and yeah. stuff like that, um, which you can do, you know we can do because we're but um, so to go back to the um, the yeah like I have uh, the agent now and all these agents said the same thing and they're looking at the Dublin trilogy and stuff and they went because the next thing and they're sort of going um, yeah we can't get you a publishing deal for this and I was like yeah because it's comic crime no 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 because they would have to pay me so much money that they were like literally no one's gonna like this would have to be a, a lot of figures I don't understand basically because the, I've already made a lot of money out of doing yeah. these books for them to buy the rights to take them off me when I've already oh you I mean th- they wanted to buy the books that you've already written if, yeah if somebody wanted to buy the books I've right. already written well that didn't that seems yeah why would you do that they would go yeah there was that's literally like what I'm doing all right that's literally why would I sell you know this goose lays golden eggs would you like yeah. to sell us and we'll give you part of the golden egg back because like yeah no and I don't be wrong. I'd like to if somebody's. I'd like to get them into more bookshops. I started getting into a few in Ireland just because uh, the book was was really one of the really nicest things that happened to us. Because you have to accept the fact of yourself publishing. You get ignored by the bookshops. by the mainstream press yeah. and the bookshops and stuff like that. You just do. And we've tried to do PR. I mean, I've been in the Irish Times and stuff, but you kind of get you don't get reviewed, which is annoying. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's an Irish literally. The Irish Times has a crime um, column every month where a guy who writes comedic crime reviews uh, books. Um, and in the Irish Times and he won't review mine wow okay which is fairly extraordinary I mean to be honest we sort of go I mean I understand self-publishing books but you kind of at some point you must get the idea that I'm maybe not just some guy who's put this yeah. out and not got anyone to spell check it you know yeah. I might have some idea what I'm doing yeah. it hasn't happened yet anyway um, but whatever send him your BAFTA nomination yeah well that's uh, <laughs> you know that was me but yeah but you know um, but you sort of accept these things and you kind of roll with them but Rick O'Shea is runs the biggest um book club in Ireland he's an okay. R- he's a RTE DJ runs the biggest book club in Ireland it's a huge Facebook thing it's like 60,000 people or something which sure. is, and, um, and we became the first ever self-published book to uh, get on that list like to actually make book of the month for them okay which was, was great for us so was, why did they how did that happen um, what actually happened was he had a huge pile of books he'd been sent um, and he said I've got to get through get, like basically get rid of these get through them or something so he said alright I'll open them up and read the first page and he said, actually, I'll open the fir- read the first line, and then I'll, if I like it, I'll read the first page. Mm-hmm. And if it grabs me... Um, read the rest of it. Yeah, and then he, Angels in the Moonlight, which is the prequel, mm-hmm. um, he opened that, read the first page, liked it. Um, he actually read the whole book in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so he must have liked it. Um, and then he, he just emailed us and said, this is great, I want to I give it a promotion thing. And yeah. he's like, it's wonderful, because you know, that was just somebody who genuinely loves books, going, yeah. this is really good, and people should know about it, which is really sweet. And it's, it's just been such a nice thing. Um, you know, and it wasn't, but that's just sort of gives a kind of legitimacy. But it's great because a lot of places just ignore you. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. That's what um, I found as well. Yeah, but you know, but that's at the same time you kind of go, people sort of want that appearance of being with traditional publishing. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I've discovered about myself in the last few years. I'm 42 now. Um, I don't care what it looks like. I care what it actually is. 
and there are people I've been to conferences where there are traditional publishers published authors on the stage talking about this that and other how wonderful this is and then you chat to them afterwards and they're good authors don't be wrong but you chat to them afterwards and it kind of accidentally slips out in conversation that they've got a nine to five job mm-hmm. and you go oh okay I'm, I'm making I'm a full time author that's amazing and you go, you go and you look at it and go who is vanity now I mean that's mm-hmm. a genuine thing I sort of go if you are taking 500 quid or a thousand pounds as an advance and you're basically doing all the marketing yourself which I asked a lot of people at the MMU readers things when they yeah. had really good authors do really really good books but I went like how much marketing when you just started off I genuinely was like how much have they done for you and they well they don't really you kind of do it yourself really I got told that by a couple of people. And yeah. I was like, I don't un- understand what you've given someone the rights for then. It's like, well, you're with a proper publisher then. Yeah. And I'm like, but I've got a proper editor. I've got my editor's as good as yours, yeah. you know, and all the way along. And you sort of go, but they have the name on the side of the book and they feel like they're proper. And when they're at yeah. dinner parties, they feel like, well, I'm a proper person. I don't go to dinner parties. My friends don't have them. We're stand-up comedians. We're working those nights of the week. Mm-hmm. And my friends, you know, I work in entertainment. I they kind of go, oh, is it? And you're selling a lot of books? Yeah, great. That's, they don't care what the name is on hmm. the side of it. Yeah, um, it's a different attitude. I guess. That's interesting. It's it. I you know I've heard this before from self-published writers, but none of them have that sort of success. So it, it, it's about getting like getting your name out there is the tricky bit. I think really, especially if your name is very hard to spell. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> that is the number one email I get. By the way, how do you, how do I pronounce? How your do name? you pronounce your name? Yeah. I've got I've got asked that from every continent on the planet at this point. Um, like yeah. Are you surprised? No, no. Like, come on, no, no. it's impossible no, to pronounce it's a, that it's name. A, no, it's a good, it's a good conversation piece. Um, yeah. But yeah, I suppose if people realize that Neve is N A I M H, then yes. they can make the connection. But then, then again, it's still cave. Yeah, no, they still still confuse <laughs> the hell out of people. Um, yeah. yeah, no, there's. In case we haven't said it yet, it's Queeve. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we have. I'm, I'm not sure. We might have at some point. Uh, and yeah. Rob, in case you're Rob. Rob, that's me. Yeah, that's a really <laughs> tough Anglo-Saxon. <laughs> Name? Yeah. <laughs> um, Do you know? Usually on this podcast, we talk uh, loads about the books themselves. Um, but do we have to? No, <laughs> no, I, we don't. And I was just going to say because you you don't need any fucking advertising. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not genuinely just having to be on your podcast. And I thought well, nice to see you again, have a chat. Yeah, I don't, I'm, not really, I'm not really here to. to I mean, don't get me wrong, buy my books, obviously. Yeah, but but I think that I think this is a lot more interesting uh, yeah. as far as you're concerned. Uh, as far as well, we're I, concerned, I think really. the biggest thing, if you're generally, if the market of this is new writers, yep. I think the biggest thing is um, you have to look properly into the to, to all the options, and if you can get the right trad deal, great. Yep. But if you self-publishing, there's no harm in it, or indie publishing, as I prefer calling it, because there's a. Let's be honest. I will say this: there is a lot of shit that is self-published. Of mm-hmm. course, there is, because yep. there is nothing stopping people literally putting a book out. Yeah. So, what's the key then to make your self-published book uh, good? Obviously, you've been writing for years and years and years and years. So I feel, like, to be honest, I'm not. I didn't write much prose. I actually started when I started doing the masters with you. I'd written one short story. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to write a novel, which I still haven't written that novel, by the way. It's an idea for a thriller. But um, mm-hmm. I started trying to write. It was quite a serious thriller. Thriller, and my voice kept coming out. And you're gonna yep. go. Someone shouldn't be cracking jokes. Someone just died in a bomb. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, sometimes you got to play to your strengths. Yeah, and it was genuinely just found me voice and went. I really enjoy doing this, and people mm-hmm. seem to find it, you know, entertaining. Um, so you got that side of it. But um, and then the editor. So you got Scott Pack somehow. How did that happen? I looked. Him up. There's a great site called Reedsy. He was on it. Um, mm-hmm. I I sent him a sample, and he went, "Oh, yeah, this is good." And and um, and so did you pay the... him or was this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I, so I, I, it was, it's not like some sort of 
commission. No, God, no, he's not. He's not Mother Teresa. He works yeah. for a living, man. No, um, but I mean, but he's he, very he, reasonable. It's not like an agent where you know he just takes a bit of your sales. No, 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 no. I, like, everything is owned by me. He's not Mother um, Teresa. No, no, he's not. You know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's got, he's got, he's got at least one child, I think. Wow. Um, I mean, I've never actually met him in person, um, mm. but we, you know, he's spoken quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so you know, you just basically you can hire these people as contractors. Um, very important. One of the biggest things that I managed to get right is the cover of my first book is really good. Yep. And I, to be very fair, I actually was on a podcast with friends of mine, and they said I got lucky. And he went, "How long? I remember you doing that. How long did you spend on it?" And it's like, well, "Well, yeah, about a couple of months." And I was talking to a lot of designers. I did a competition on Night Nine Designs, mm-hmm. and I had like, I put, you know, I put. Money is this your friend you're talking about, or you? No, I did for my cover. Okay. He was, he was like, you know, and he was like, the point is, he said, yeah, you spent like several weeks, and you were like had like. 700 things submitted on I Designs and you spend quite a bit of money to put it because you put a prize money up and they and they submit things I spent a lot of time talking to designers and he went I went anyway yeah and he went he went that's not an accident that's not luck mm-hmm. you do put that's the thing is anyway he's, he's, he's right you put the work in you get good as long as you've got a good eye um, and the that's thing, the key though isn't it yeah I mean the how do you know if you've got a good eye well the thing was at mine is kind of the blessed the curse that became a blessing was they went eh it's like a thriller, but it's not a normal thriller. It's yeah. like a comedic thriller, but it's yeah. not like sort of. And they went, it's not. It doesn't really fit in anything. So we just came up with the idea. I said, All right, we we kind of got this retro. I said, I kind of go for a retro Raymond Chandler type thing because uh, I don't want funny, funny because mm-hmm. that looks fucking tedious. Yeah. Because um, the thing with my books is they are funny, but there is a plot and you, it is a proper thing. And frankly, the my theory very strongly is just in my particular thing is while the funny people really like the funny what hooks them in is the characters and if mm-hmm. you have characters people like and engage with and are compelled to read again then you're onto success that's yeah. that's because series are the things that do sell an awful lot in general things that's what you know if you look at the biggest ones in the world Harry Potter Lee Child all those they're mm-hmm. all series because people like characters mm-hmm. um, so the cover is massive but you can do that 99 Designs I did that the editors readsy.com you can go on there and they've got very professional because they they vet like someone can't just go on and go I'm an editor they yeah. have to have like proper professional things and the thing is a lot of the publishing houses now they actually don't have full time staff they they have freelancers and right. these freelancers can just get work from Reedy as well as they can from yeah. HarperCollins and if you just look around and find the right people um, and you know when you take it as professionally as possible and then you kind of get the book out there and then you've got all the marketing and stuff but if you put a good product out and if you have some idea what you're doing yeah that's could, the key and, they, and that's the thing that I think most writers, um, A, get wrong, and B, don't know how to get right. It, I mean, it is tough, but the thing with the mark, first and foremost, if you do a good cover and you write a good book. Do you really think it's, it's down to the cover? The cover's big. The cover's big. And if you look at, because people buy the book, people don't like to think this. Yeah. Because we all like to think, oh, well, I'm I'm, I'm a fucking genius. And, yeah, I'm. It's I, the I, words, I, mate. I, I see, but I see. <laughs> no, but no, no, when, when you pick a book. Yeah. People like it's a cliche for a reason. People do get attracted yeah. to a book by a cover. Yeah, um, covers are really important. Uh, the blurb on the back is really important, and I yeah. hate that. It's the worst. Yeah, it's horrible to write. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, Distill I mean, your entire novel down to three or yeah. four lines. I mean, at like least on, on, excuse me, like two of mine. Um, Scott Pack wrote a large part of it for me because I couldn't. Right. <laughs> he was great at that. I just went. Could you? Ah, I so sent him something. Well, I know what. Like, I probably shouldn't say that. It's not a service Scott technically <laughs> offers. Um, please don't tell him I said that. But I just sort of staying sent, in, mate. I said, "Oh God!" I sent him a thing, and he sort of sent it back, and I went, "Oh, that's much better." Because and he obviously understands that he worked for Waterstones. He was the yeah. head hire for Waterstones. Yeah. So I mean, it's less important when it's like the third book in a series because then you go buy this because you bought the other two. Yeah. Um. You know, that's what people do. It's the first book you have to sell all the time. Okay. Really. Um, which is it's tough because your first book you go I changed things of course you would have learned a lot yeah. from writing three other books 
Um, but if you're doing a series, the first book is the one that sells, like yes. the one that sells the rest of them. Um, so, but the thing is, and don't get be overwhelmed by it because things like marketing and stuff, people go, I don't know what to do with yeah. that. If you do the best book you can, if you write a good book, you get a good cover and stuff like that. Like a good book, you can figure out eventually how to sell it and it'll sell. A bad book, you can do all the shit you want to. You're I still don't, I don't believe church. that. I genuinely don't believe it. I don't think that it, just because it's good, it'll sell. I think there must be something else. No, I mean, it's good and that you it, it's did. marketable in yeah. the sense that it's good that something... But you were saying that before, like, I've read your columns in Irish Times and stuff, that most of the agents and most of the publishing said your book isn't marketable, and that's why they didn't Yeah, they, they, they said comedy and crime didn't, didn't they don't work. Joke, they don't and make. fundamentally, I went, well, that's... You look at the TV, yeah, elementary exactly. is, is a show I like. There's a lot, few shows I like where they do combine those things. There's yeah. plenty of films that have been very successful combining yeah. those things. And I genuinely Shakespeare. Thought, yeah, I mean, just, I mean, if God, if you look at how many things have comedy in it, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the idea that, that 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 people don't want to combine comedy. those two things yeah. is nonsense. I think, to be honest, you've they've sold it badly before, um, or they've you know they, it's not it's been done badly, but there are people who do sell it. They sort of go, oh, "There's a lot we've tried and it hasn't worked." Right. And I sort of go, "I think it's because a lot of them, you know, I've mentioned any names. I've read some comedy crime books." Mm-hmm. And I found them irritating because they were just trying to find ways of cramming jokes in. Sure. Um, now, on my first book, I was Scott was very good in that in particular. One of the best note he ever gave me was in the final scene of the book. He said, "See that joke? Yeah. See that joke? 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 They're all very good jokes. Yeah. They're taking all of them out because they don't have anything to do because with the plot. They basically you're undercutting what you've built up. Yeah. You've built up these characters. People care about the characters, yeah. and you have to respect the story and That's respect right. the characters. Yeah. And he's dead right. And yeah. You can't thinking, be too flippant. Yeah. And and I've seen people just write book and sort of go. Two pages to get to a pun. I, yeah. I tell you, I was. Oof, gosh. I have a story about my wife and the car at me. I, just, I was listening to the audiobook. I won't say who it was. Um, <laughs> this I is was, no fun. No, I definitely will not say who it was. <laughs> I was listening to this audiobook. We we're sitting in the car. She's asleep in the passenger seat because she, she can sleep anywhere. It's really annoying. And I'm mm-hmm. awake, obviously, driving us up from London to, to Manchester. Long drive. Literally, in this thing, was like a two minute walk to get to this pun at the end of a chapter. Gosh. And I went, oh. And then my wife, who was asleep, as far as I just went, oh, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) She just, oh. Just like that would have been the point you would have put the book down. Yeah. Because you have to respect the audience's time and you don't, you know. Not just their time, but their devotion to the, the work, really. Yeah, but like funny should be, I don't honestly, so because I've written things about how you write funny and stuff like that yeah. so we, we reel those up but honestly I genuinely don't write funny I don't sit there going what can I say that's funny now that is especially now I realise what I'm doing the last but that's because books. it's it's innate now because you're a stand-up comic you've been doing it for yeah, ages yeah it's just it's how my brain you works. are funny so you're that's, just writing yeah I guess it's, it's to a point that's how my brain works yeah. um, and the key is then if you've written a good book it gets it in front of people Yep. Scott Pack, actually, to go back to Scott, the best piece of advice I have ever gotten was him. Get this in front of people and good things will happen. Okay. And everything myself and the wife did after that point, we were like trying to get blogs and all these people that like, have, you know, we did blog tours and trying to go around and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the big principle we kept going back to was the rule of Scott, which was get this in front of people and good things will happen. So the sure. big thing is if you've written a good book, if you've packaged it well with a good cover and stuff like that, you get it professionally edited, all of you discussed then your job then is just get it in front of people because if you've done the right sending thing, it well, to just sending it at, like just cold sending it to blog 
Yeah, just people, you know, and contact bloggers and stuff like right. that. And they're very, but they get inundated with stuff. So That's the first thing you should do yeah. is offer to write something for them. I wrote a little blog post for people ah, okay. and stuff, and then they like that, and then they read the book, and then some of them go, oh, this is really, and I literally yeah. then a couple of them read it, and then the rest of them go, ooh. And then, yeah, he's yeah. asked me as well, and then they sort of get on board most ah, of the time. I see. And my missus did all that. She's brilliant at the interpersonal stuff, so she's a lot of bloggers now are like close personal friends at my wife. Um, <laughs> so how much did it cost, like when you're, the, the production of the book as well, who did you use to do that? Yeah, well, the production of the book is, um, there's it, that's got a lot of easier there's a okay. wonderful product called vellum um which you literally can take the word document put it in and you can format your book for ebook and for print mm-hmm. and like, i do all that myself now I sure. and they, they look i try anyone to look at them and go they don't look as professionally done in fact weirdly now ebooks from traditional publishers i'm a big fan of ken brune i've started trying to read up and all, all these stuff i've done like three of them now the ebooks are appalling. They've yeah. just taken a file, put it in, and not format. I mean, literally, yeah. there's a gap in the middle of a word, and it's on the, the next half of the words on the next pe- thing. Appalling way to treat a yeah. brilliant man's work. But and there's no excuse now because this vellum thing is so easy. It's, even the last couple of years, that came out like a year ago, pretty much. Yeah. And it's incredible, and you can do it so easily, and it's fun. It's literally fun. Whereas yeah. before, I was terrified of it because that's the hard thing. So that is like a one-off I think it's maybe 150 quid for the software I've used it for all my books it pays for itself very fast sure. I used the formatter for the first book but after that I did it all myself mm-hmm. um, but that's like that then you're looking at editing and, and the proofs and the, and the covers and all the and all the editors and stuff like that two grand is a good thing to give yourself it's not no you know it's a good chunk of money but yeah. if you're doing a master's it's way more than that yeah um, and to be honest, if you write a book, that's a wonderful education in how to write a book. That yeah. is, nothing beats that. Yeah. Because um, the thing with masters and stuff is you don't really talk that much about writing in a weird way. Mm. It wasn't like, I, I really like, um, Adam Dalton was great, who was one of our lecturers, who's now gone from MMU, mm-hmm. um, because he went in and went, this is how sentences work. And he actually yeah. spoke about punctuation and stuff. And the yeah. whole room was going, oh, and you can see people yeah. taking notes. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the other stuff, I mean, lovely. I, I like the people and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I think the whole thing of, we're going to sit around and talk about a book about what was that what was your brilliant summary of uh, unbearable likeness of being <laughs> oh my god it was something about that. shit and bowler hats but it yeah. summed it up beautifully man <laughs> yeah. oh fuck it was it was it was anyway awful book yes um, and you know and I think if those courses those courses don't acknowledge the fact that a lot of people want to write different kind like literary books is that they don't even really know what that means but there's a certain yeah. type of thing that they're aimed very much at that like the idea that you try and I mean literally the words self-publishing were never mentioned the entire time I no. was in MMU and it's frankly it's 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 criminal that mm. they try and do a course that's supposedly about writing and don't mention one of the ways you can actually make a living from it. it's just you could do a great course and people do do good courses there's a lot of good courses about you know by so, but more aimed at this is how the real world works yeah and not this is art, you know we're not writing the unbearable likeness of being in a bloke <laughs> shit in a baller hat <laughs> do you know what I think that's a very good place to finish <laughs> shit in a baller hat yeah shit I, in a baller hat I, I finish almost every interview I've ever done on that it's, it's good. Quite, quite the party piece well you're welcome <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you very much Queef thank you very much Rob so that was Queef McDonald's interview did you love it I know that I am going to have loved it. Okay. So there you That's go. good. Yeah. Is there anything you want to talk about now at the end? Not really. I wonder how your night went in the Half Light uh, oh, Real Story. Oh, I wonder how it did go. Yeah. Um, hopefully, I'm listening to this and looking back on an incredible, enchanting evening. Yeah. What if it's terrible? Performance. It's not going to be terrible. <laughs> it's not going to be terrible. Right. Fine. Good. I think that's all we need to talk about, Kayfeld. Thank you, Rob. No, thank you. No, thank you. Good, thank me. I will see you people later.
next on is Joanna Cabena. Joanna on. Walsh. Jo what did I say, Cabena? Yeah. Next is Joanna Walsh. So listen to that. Bye. Bye.